Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, and we heard you loud and clear after our last digital media podcast interview that you wanted more. We are diving in with Ash Brandon. They do work around screen time. You might know them as the gamer educator over on Instagram. And today we get to chat about how to use screen time as a tool for regulation. I am stoked to share this and also know that for a lot of us, there's a lot of messaging around screen time as a dysregulating tool and that this is something that's only dysregulating for folks. We get to look at what's happening hormonally, how do we use screen time with intention, and Ash is someone that I have had the privilege of learning from over on Instagram, and it was so rad to get to hang out with them here in this podcast interview. What a gift. All right, folks, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today, I get to hang out with Ash Brandon. They have been a public school teacher for over a decade, and in that time, they found innovative ways of using student interests, including video games, to increase engagement and make learning more fun and effective. Since February 2021, their Instagram page, The Gamer Educator, which if you're not following, just like press pause on this episode, head over to Instagram and search The Gamer Educator, just click follow, you thank me later, and then come on back has helped tens of thousands of families make screen time beneficial for the whole family. Y'all know that like, I am, I don't know, not, I don't know if there's like a pro or anti screen time. I'm, I'm definitely not anti. And I want to make sure that we're using it in a way that is supportive. And so like, that's something that Ash really like drew me to your work and the way that you present this is that the idea that like, it's going to be a part of our lives. It doesn't have to be the center of our lives. And how do we help folks use it in a way that serves and supports? I dig that. So thank you. Thanks for doing this work. And I'm excited to get to hang and chat about it today. Screen time gets a bad rap. It sure does. Thank you so much for having me. It's like a thrill before I before I entered Instagram world as a creator you know and I was just a consumer Mm -hmm. like I've been following you forever so I'm like trying not to just (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh it's so funny well thank you thanks for being in our community that's rad yeah um and I feel like we're very similar in the way that we approach a lot of these conversations and there's been many times where I I'm like, oh, yeah, that seems so amazing. How do I, like, channel a screen time (laughs) ethos of this? Uh, But, yes, I have found, like, 
there's just not a lot of room for, in my opinion, for binary thinking in this space. In that, I think, you know, a lot of parenting advice in the social media world tries to be very binary because it's it's sellable. Yeah. Right? If if we stick to something binary, then we're selling a solution. Mm -hmm. And then we're convincing people that actually there is one answer. There's one right or wrong way to be doing things. And it is not that simple. You know, we would be so lucky if kids were that simple. It'd be dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's not. And as you said, whether we like it or not, we are entering and our kids are entering a technologically driven world we really can't even envision. And that is, it's only going to get more that way. And, you know, abstinence only education doesn't tend to work, no matter what we're. You don't about. say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do try to frame it that way because when you frame it that way, people are like, oh, right, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and that's true. You know, it's, and if we want our kids to grow up to be older kids or young adults who can manage this stuff on their own, then we kind of have to be teaching that skill. And that doesn't mean. That it's the only thing they do with their time. It doesn't mean we have to start that really, really early. It doesn't mean we can't, you know, make sure it aligns with other boundaries. But framing it as a set of skills that we want them to have, uh, I think, can help. And as you mentioned, not being like pro or anti-screen, I think a lot of people assume that I must be pro-screen. I don't think of myself as pro-screen, but I am pro-families getting their needs met. And 100%. I am, yeah, and I am pro uh, taking the morality out of these kinds of decisions and really viewing them in like an ethically, morally neutral way, because I think that allows us to make decisions that really do think about all of our needs. Yeah. And I think of it as like a both and, and like, mm. you think of Seiji, for instance, my little guy, we will use screens sometimes just as like a fun, like, whatever we're all gonna watch something together for a while he thought that the tv only played baseball were yankees fans and so he would like when he was really little he would chant let's go yankees when he would look at the tv which was oh hilarious God. to me which is <laughs> so good um so like we'll use it in, in those ways but now he'll like watch a show he'll watch daniel tigers his fave and he will sometimes request it in moments of dysregulation and sometimes request it in moments of regulation and i I, I'm a curious human, just like by nature. And so for me, it's like a fun little study to look at like, when is he requesting it? And then what are the results after? How do we use it in a way that works for him and that works for us sometimes in the short term and sometimes in the long term, right? Like that is where I think there can be a lot of shame is when folks are like, yeah, I'm using this right now because it's going to make me a better mom tonight when my partner isn't here and I'm solo doing dinner or whatever. And Sage is going to watch a show while I get to do this. And this, I'm, this is fully for me to be able to show up as a more regulated human. This is a win for my whole family then. And I think that that's where shame can come in. Absolutely. Because even I think many adults, particularly like default parent. Adults mm -hmm. tend to be people socialized as women or raised as women. They can they can't even get to the point of naming that it's for me and it's okay that it's for me. Yeah. If we were to even name that I'm doing it for me, then the immediate thought after that is, and that's bad. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time instead, 
we are expected to always give more of ourselves to prevent needing to center ourselves, right? We should be willing to martyr ourselves perpetually to avoid anything that could be not ideal for our kids. But then what happens is that we burn out, we get dysregulated, we snap, and then we feel bad all over again. Because Correct. We got, because we snapped at our kids. <laughs> what a fun uh, cycle. What a right, fun, right? fun cycle. <laughs> uh, and that's, so that's a reframe I tend to try to come back to a lot is, you know, we tend to get very myopically focused on the child and think like, well, what is it? It's bad or good for them. What's it doing to them? But my reframe is like, what is it allowing us to do for them? Like, what is it allowing me, the adult, to then provide for my child? And if they are maybe not getting anything primarily from screen time, right? If it's really mostly a, a distraction, like as you said, yeah. but if it's allowing me to then better meet their needs and meet my own needs, then that is benefiting them, if not in a primary way, then in a secondary way. And that is, that does get to count like as beneficial. Totally. And as you mentioned earlier, you were talking about with, with your child, with sometimes it does seem like they're seeking screens as a source of regulation. This is a concern that I sometimes hear from families, like, but, well, they're getting upset and this is what they want. Okay. And if we think about it from the adult perspective, how many times do we seek out regulation in the form of media? And that doesn't mean it's necessarily the, the thing we want to do. But, you know, how many times do we get home from a really long day and we rewatch something that we've watched a thousand times because we want the comfort of it? Mm -hmm. Or we put a podcast on in the background so we can kind of tune out whatever anxious chatters in our brain. Or we pull up a phone game and we just kind of do that for a few minutes to kill the time. We do a lot of that. And that is regulatory. And it doesn't mean that that's you know, we could look at that and say, well, I don't know if I, I might do that too much. Okay, sure. we can we can rethink that for our own self. But it isn't, you know, some unique thing to kids. And it's, it's really just a, it's a human trait. I think sometimes taking some of that weight out of it and recognizing, oh, yeah, this is something I also engage in. If I do want to change that relationship for myself or for my kid, those are perfectly fine things to think. But then it can be based more on how do I make this one tool in the tool belt as opposed to it's bad that they're ever seeking regulation in this way. Sure. Yeah, 100%. So I'm going to get nerdy real quick with you and dive into like what's happening when we're tapping into a screen versus if you were like, I'm going to sit and take deep breaths or I'm going to journal or I'm going to go. And what we're looking at is what hormones are being produced. Right. And then what's the outcome of that? And mm -hmm. our body is mm -hmm. designed to when we're feeling something hard and we're producing adrenaline or cortisol to make it stop as fast as possible, because we it's really shitty and hard to be in that space. Right. It's really hard to feel hard things. And so when you're having a hard feeling, we might find yourself like pull up and scroll that I'm so good at that. Or like filling a cart. I can fill a cart like it's nobody's business. Like I don't even need to check <laughs> out, but like, boy, can I fill a cart? Lately, it's like Facebook marketplace shopping. We are like moving the seed offices. And so I'm like, oh yeah, I have to do this for work. I'm like looking for things, but like, it's really, I'm turning to it. Not when I'm like, oh yeah, I have a spare moment at work. It's when I'm dysregulated and I'm like, I'm going to use this. 
none of that is bad, right? Like what I'm doing is looking for dopamine mm-hmm. to temporarily pause the disaster that's happening inside and the hard part. And we need dopamine. We all produce it. And it's a really key part of human function. What we're looking at, and we talk about this in Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, is that if we're only turning to things that produce dopamine, and we aren't ever turning to things that produce serotonin or oxytocin to regulate the nervous system, this is where we can get stuck in this pattern of like, I'm going to turn to the thing that produces dopamine, temporarily feel relief, and then I'm going to go right back into feeling dysregulated. And so what we look at is how do we have a toolbox to pull from? Sometimes it's what we call coping mechanisms, these things that are going to produce dopamine. And sometimes there are things that are going to produce serotonin and sometimes they're going to produce both. Like I'm going to play a game with my kid to get upstairs to go to bath and I'm going to race him. Right. And so we're going to produce some dopamine in this because I'm like, I'm going to beat you up the stairs. He's trying to win, but also we're getting movement in. And so there's going to be some serotonin that comes into play as well. And the serotonin will pump the brakes on the production of the adrenaline or cortisol, which brings us into the dysregulated state and help to like cool that down in the nervous system so that we can have an overall regulation. One thing that you recently shared in your stories, I was like, yes, like I want to see more of this in the screen time discussion for folks who are like, okay, my kid's leaving screens and they're dysregulated was really pairing those two things, like I just said, with the racing up the stairs together, where you shared something around along, like yeah. maybe they could sit on a seat or be in some sort right. of, yeah, share about this, yeah. please. So, that, so this was one of those moments, I'm sure you have these moments as a creator where like, I was literally just in it with my kid <laughs> yeah, and suddenly had this like light bulb. And then I was like, oh, got to remember that one. And yeah. so I was like, okay, I'm going to share this in a story real quick, but like, I absolutely need to return and make this some grid content because, and I immediately got DMs that was like, oh, please make another form of this. 100%. I'll Uh, partner with you. I'll do a collab post. I'm here for it. (laughs) Perfect. I love this. Um, Because yeah, I hear that a ton of like, well, it's time to end screens and then there's a super dysregulated mess. And what I've often said is you can build in regulatory breaks. You know, Mm -hmm. you can immediately plan a regulatory activity for right after, but what occurred to me the other day um, was like actively build in regulatory activity into the screen time itself. And Mm -hmm. I can already hear sometimes the naysayers, like I try to predict them sometimes Same of of them, you know, and maybe the, the naysaying to that would be like, well, you, if your kid's dysregulated, you should just stop. You know, if your kid is dysregulated in screens, then you should stop. And it's like, well, Anyone who's ever had a young child who is entering a state of dysregulation knows that that is sometimes like pouring gasoline on the fire, especially for certain kids, right? Certain kids, okay, we cut them off early enough, okay. And for some kids, it will feel punitive, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this is my screen time, right? You told me this is my screen time. Now you're taking it away because I got excited. Now, what does that say to me? Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily feel good. So- I think everyone everyone figures out their kid and you figure out what their tells are. My mm-hmm. kid has tells <laughs> and my kid's tells are like movement. They get very like bouncy and movie and I uh, they get loud. They're not like screaming. They're not mad. They're just like the volume level just gets loud. Um, 
So all of a sudden they're talking like this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're getting there. And so what I did with them was I said, hey, like I noticed you're just, you're moving a lot. So can you stand up on one leg while you do this race? So like they're still doing the screen time. I'm not taking it away. I'm not saying, hey, this game is making you such and such mm -hmm. and such, because that's also not helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am helping them notice like, hey, your, your body has a lot of movement happening right now. So I'm trying to get them to realize my body does. Like, what does that mean when that happens? And then immediately give them a way that they could maybe be challenging their physical body uh, to go along with what their brain might be going through. Because that's what often is happening with screen time dysregulation is the brain is getting amped up and up and up and up. It's getting tons of stimulation, but the body is still. And mm -hmm. that can be really hard. So it's like, okay, what if we just build this in? But that way it's helping them notice, oh, this is what's happening in your body. We're not blaming anything. And yeah. you can try something embedded into the things they might already like that can, again, hopefully be, be some skill building. And I love what you were talking about. I'm backing up a bit. Yeah. Dopamine. That word comes up a lot in my sphere um, because it, it's turned into a four-letter word, which I yeah. find fascinating. Mm -hmm. I find it so fascinating that in so much screen time conversation, what you'll hear thrown around is like, oh, it's dopamine. They're going after their dopamine. And I'm like, you know, it's so interesting when someone goes for a run or mm -hmm. they sit in a hot tub or they eat a hamburger. No one is like, oh, yeah, you're seeking that dopamine. We don't tend to talk about like, oh, you went on a five mile run. Was that to avoid your feelings? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. And it um, turns out but, I came back and they still exist. Right. But, <laughs> Darn it. But yeah, I, I think that this is huge. I actually, interestingly, had um, I did a hormone panel for myself with my doctor earlier last year, I guess. And one of the things I was low in was dopamine. And I was like, oh, so funny because everyone's like, it is this four letter word now and like trying to avoid it. And now here I am like trying to get more dopamine and trying to build up my dopamine. And there's pretty interesting research that's come out and more that's underway right now around uh, folks with ADHD and looking at low dopamine stores that you might have lower dopamine and that then what we look at from like the emotional intelligence world is, okay, if you have low dopamine, what we're finding is that it can be hard to access those coping strategies, taking a deep breath, taking a walk, journaling, et cetera. And that we can use dopamine as a bridge to serotonin. So we can use something like screens or distraction or playfulness or whatever as then a bridge to be able to access these serotonin rich, like cope, coping strategies, we call them. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and 
I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And I was just about to ask you if that was the case because when you were talking about doing an activity like racing my kid is huge into racing that maybe is getting this lovely cocktail of things Mm -hmm. again we've all been in that moment where we might know that our kid would be totally into that but they are too far gone yeah right and so that's where I feel like sometimes you do sometimes going straight like straight to the source (laughs) it can help bridge you there I'm like okay maybe we do spend 10 minutes watching a show or playing something or using a screen. And then we've like gotten to a place where you have some of that. So you can actually like kind of see a little more clearly. We're not just in this hyper dysregulated state. And now we're going to say, okay, I feel a little bit better now. And we're going to choose something else to do now. Do you want to? And then we're giving them another variety of tasks. Because again, if we're really concerned, like, well, if, if they, if they're using a screen to get that dopamine or to help with their emotions, it's going to be the only thing they want to do. And it's like, okay, that might be the only thing that they want to do because it's the only thing that they might know, or it's the lowest hanging fruit. It's the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. our job as the caregiver is to then provide them with other ways to meet that. Correct. And it, and that is not always going to be easy, right? And it's nice to stick around with the lowest hanging fruit. It yeah. feels nice. We do that too, as we were talking about earlier, filling the Correct. card or watching The Office for the 50th time. <laughs> I watch it every <laughs> night before I fall asleep. Not a lie. Every night before I fall asleep. I watch The Office because it's so regulating for me in a way that like I can tap out. So my, my hardest part is when I'm falling asleep and my brain's like, and go. So for me, like the office is a coping mechanism that I have embraced of like, I will put it on. I can see it in my head. I know all the words that are coming. I don't actually have to watch it. I can listen and fall asleep. And it turns off the chatter enough for me to fall asleep. And I'm okay with that. I love sleep. And (laughs) if that's going to help me access it, Sage has recently, um, he loves vestibular input. So like moving the plane of his head, he loves to sit and spin. He loves to swing. And for watching TV, he's been really into like headstands and he started doing a headstand when he is dysregulated and watching TV. And so he's coming into this like, okay, I want Daniel Tiger. He's like crying. I want Daniel Tiger. I want to watch Daniel Tiger. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's put on an episode of Daniel Tiger. And it allows him to then like 
access the headstand, right? And so like, then he just is naturally starting to get some of that movement in or he'll like bounce around on the couch and his body then is, but if, if when he was in the crying state, I was like, let's try some headstands. Oh, yeah, He's no, going to flip me off, right? Like in the Absolutely. toddler way and not legit. He doesn't want to flip me off yet, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yet, but he is like not going to be open to it. And so Daniel Tiger just allows him to be able to access the headstand, right? And this is where they're, for me, I'm just like, when we're in that binary of like, it's good or it's bad. It's like, no, sometimes it's a tool that helps us access other tools. Um, exactly. And what a gift, right? Like if somebody, what if I was raging at Zach, my husband, and I'm really fired up and someone came in and was like, let's take some deep breaths. I want to throat punch you. You know, like I was about to make this comparison. No. Once again, it's like, hey, can we just remember that these are human? Like you're like your book, right? Like these are humans. And how would you like it if you are like a crying mess and you're thinking about what you need And you're like, you know what? I think I just want to mask my emotions and get a sugary coffee, right? Like sometimes I'm like, I feel bad. I'm going to medicate with food. And I know that's what I am doing. But if you came up to me in the moment, you're like, oh, actually, why don't we just journal? I'd be like, I'd be flipping them up. (laughs) I'd be like, F you, get out of the way, get my latte or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then if I have my latte and I, then I can probably sit. And then I can breathe and then I can regulate a bit. And then if someone was like, hey, do you want to talk? Then mm-hmm. I'd probably be at a place where I actually could. This literally happened yeah. last night. I was in conflict with my partner. He didn't know yet that we were in conflict, but we were in conflict. <laughs> and I'm like seething, but I'm not ready to talk. Like if I talk right now, it's going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. And we have very different conflict styles. So I want to like word vomit, talk it out. Oh, yes. For him, that's very dysregulating. And then he shuts down and then I get more annoyed that he's not having a back and forth. So I've learned that oh, for wow. myself. I <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned that for myself, like, if my end goal is we can navigate conflict, I need to be in a space by the time I come to him where I'm not going to word vomit. Mm-hmm. And I was still in the word vomity space. And so I turned to Facebook marketplace and did my like pretend shopping, um, bought nothing, but scrolled through whatever and like felt myself start to come down. And then got to a place where I was like, now I can talk this through in a way where I'm not going to be forming my argument as he's coming back and I like put my phone down and I must have like there must be a, a tell on my face and he goes oh are we gonna have a chat and I was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah we are <laughs> and he was like okay all right <laughs> like buggle up and I and he was like and then he asked he was like are you ready and I was like I think I'm ready now and we've done this dance enough times that like he knows I'm going to go through my process and try to come to you in a space where I am ready and whatever but the screen was a tool that I use to get to the place where I could have a productive conversation through this conflict so I think when we can look at it as like how do we really use coping mechanisms honestly whether it's a screen or that sugary drink or whatever in a way that helps us then access these other tools it's a total game changer for us. Yeah. And for some reason, the conversation has become like, you get to choose one tool. I choose one. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Right? And, then, and then you're stuck with it. And I mean, screens can sometimes seem like a hammer, right? And everything becomes a nail. 
Sure. And I, th I think that's the fear that we will turn everything into a nail if we have a tool that can be a hammer. And yeah, I mean, I get I get that. And it's hard. Like it is hard to navigate those things that can be really enticing, be it screens or sugar, or good feeling sure. or whatever, those low hanging fruits. But we can choose to decide, actually, this is a, this is actually a Phillips head screwdriver. Like this actually is going to sure. have a very specific purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to focus on it for that purpose. Um, use you know, it with intention. Exactly. Exactly. And with kids, you know, we might think, well, I don't want them to just associate it with being dysregulated. And again, it's like, okay, we, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't totally. always have to be the, the first thing we go to. We can, the way we figure out what works for our kids is through a lot of trial and error, right? It's how we figure out, oh, they like to race or, oh, they like to do headstands. We throw every trick at the book to figure out what it is they're going to like. And then when we do find those things, well, then that becomes the tool belt. And if we are working with a kid who is in a really dysregulated place, we might think, okay, this might be one of those times they kind of need that bridge, right. that low hanging fruit. And there might be times where we just lead with that. It's so far gone. But there might be other times where we present options and mm -hmm. we are giving them the choice. And if they do choose that, and if they do choose, actually, yeah, I do, I do want, I do want to watch a bluey. It's like, okay, cool. We're going to check that off the bingo card. Like we've chosen, okay, that bluey. And when that's done, then we'll choose one of these other things. Right. It's It doesn't become this path we're stuck on. And I think the level of dysregulation is huge, right? That like, if a kid is getting to a point of distress or they really, and we know our kids best, right? Like if it's like, oh, we're not coming back from this one easily mm -hmm. that like, yeah, that's a time where we're going to tap into screens a little bit more or coping mechanisms in general. Sometimes Sage will ask for a binky, which he only ever has for sleep. And then there are certain transition times coming back from vacation was a big one where all of a sudden he was like, I want a binky. And he was asking for it more. And Zach and I had a chat and we're like, both noticing this, he must be dysregulated coming back from vacation. This will be a phase. And then when he gets mm -hmm. back into routine and flow, we'll go back to like, it's only for bedtime. But there were times where he'd say, I want to have a binky. And he would walk up to his crib and he would even say, do you see what I have? And like, as he comes <laughs> down and I'm like, I see it, buddy. That's fine. And I was like, if it helps you feel calm, that's fine. And then we'll figure out a place to put it and we can do something else next. I think what's key is then pairing that with the strategies, right? So if it's just like screen time ends and there, there's been no other offer, we're not then like reading, there's no touch, there's no movement, there's no whatever. And then we can fall into that like swing from screens where I temporarily feel this regular regulation to like, oh, I'm back right. to dysregulated to back to whatever coping mechanisms next to stop feeling versus, okay, I'm going to use that as a bridge. It's a totally different um, nervous system regulation pattern and we don't always need it, right? Like there are times right. where I feel frustrated and I can say, you know what, I'm going to take some space. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm yes. going to breathe. I'm going to whatever. And there are times where I'm like, I'm going to Facebook marketplace before I have this conversation. And uh -huh. that level of dysregulation matters. Yes. And the kind, right? Like for yeah. me, like I, I never watched The Office. I never watched Friends. I never really got into that. But if I am in a really, for me, it's anxiety. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a very anxious spiral and churning yeah. and, there, and, and I know I am not getting out of it, right? I watch jackass movies. Hilarious. <laughs> And I don't know what it is. I mean, I can do like a 15 minute TED talk about sure. why I love jackass movies, but, uh, but I focus 
Sure. Like I laugh, even though I know what to expect. <laughs> yeah. I don't like if it's other mindless stuff, my brain will be like, oh, cool. We could have watched that while we continue to churn. Yeah. Over here, we're going to keep spiraling. Yeah. And it's like, it gets my attention just enough, but it, but I'm going to feel good. And like, if I'm in a real bad spiral, that that's what I need. A hundred percent. And it's other, other times, like you're talking about conflict, like in that moment, it would make no sense for me to be like, oh yeah, I just, you know, stare at a screen for a minute. I'm like, that's actually not going to help me. Like mm -hmm. it might distract me, but it is not actually going to help me be a, a more regulated partner in a converse, a difficult conversation uh -huh. to have. And in that, that state, it's yeah. taken a long time, but I can be like, I'm not abandoning this conversation, but I need to leave the room for like two minutes. I'll be back. I promise I need a moment. And then I go and breathe and come back in like, okay, what, what's my plan here? And that has taken, you know, d decades, <laughs> decades for me to, <laughs> <Welcome>. figure out, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> to figure out like, what is it I need in these specific instances? And everybody is going to be different. And I think all of us would love to know that our kids can grow up into adults who can recognize their emotional needs and how to meet those needs in a way that feels sustainable and healthy. And that starts like that can start as early as we as we want it to. Mm -hmm. And that is probably going to involve actively walking them through some of these coping mechanisms that they might want to use less or more that might not work at all. But if we're willing to kind of get a little dirty with them in the mud, of figuring out like, oh, wow, that did not work. <laughs> that, that <laughs> Whoops. Worked. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we know. Don't do that. Right. Yeah. But it's not just for our kids now. It's for them in the future so that they have all of this built up instead of having to, you know, kind of do that later in, red, in retrospect when they're older. Right. I think one of the barriers to that, to us getting there is the acceptance and realization that no one is supposed to be regulated all the time, right? And that if we are operating from this place of like, oh, if I do all the right things, if I proactively tap into these forms of regulation, we're moving our body, we're not hangry, we're not tired, we're whatever, I can avoid dysregulation. I think there's that that exists out there that folks think like there is a way to not feel dysregulated to not have big feelings, to not have to look at like, oh, what, how do I regulate? And I think before we can get to the place of like, how do we learn what to tap into when we're dysregulated starts with the acceptance of everyone experiences dysregulation on and off throughout the day. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. 
If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and so much that is like coming back to, for me, that really comes back to this place of being willing to or able to center the, not always the needs of my child, but just the mm. experience of my child over often for me, what it is, is like the, the feeling of judgment of other people. Correct. Whether they're there or not, right? Oh, yes. (laughs) Right. And this isn't necessarily people actively outwardly judging. So much of it is in here, is in the head. Mm -hmm. It's my perception of like, but what are they going to think? Or, oh, I have to make sure that they're, you know, being as convenient as possible. For me, I feel like it's Uh me trying to make my kid very convenient. Totally. Uh, uh, Because then they're a quote, good kid. Good kid. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So like we were traveling a lot this summer. We were gone for a month and we were in another country and I had to, I found myself like often trying to be like, Ash, stop. Like you're just, you're trying to make sure that they're like not an imposition on this whole other like city of people, which I totally get. I hold myself to the standard of like, be the good tourist who's not in the way. Sure. And I'm like, but your child... <laughs> is not you and maybe you should not be held to that standard and it's also okay if your kid is a kid who takes up space yeah as a as a, as a human in the world and so some for me so much of that is like my own like sitting with my own feeling of like expectation on me as a parent and yeah. therefore also my kid I, I like and and figuring that out for myself Right. Well, and that you're allowed to be dysregulated. You're allowed to take out space. You're allowed to have needs. You're allowed to not be easy and quote good all the time. Right. And like, I think starting there for ourselves, I I grew up very much in like obedience culture. Right. So we could have feelings, but like in my room. Right. And then when I was ready, I could come out and by ready, it meant like, You're no longer, yeah, yeah, you're not crying. You're not going to be snippy or sassy or sarcastic. Like you're going to present in this exact one way. So of course, like growing up in that, then as an adult, I'm like, okay, cool. If I'm having a hard time, I have to do that behind closed doors. You know, we were, I was dropping off Sage for school for like, he was going to a new school for his first time. And the day two, day one, I like like went in. It was novel. He was jazzed. Bye, mom. I'm nervous, but I'm ready to feel brave, he told me. And then oh. uh, it's very sweet. And he went and he played. And then I left and sobbed in the car and like called oh, a friend. Yeah. and was like, oh. And day two, he has like a harder time at drop off. And I'm like near tears there. And the teacher was like, how are you? And I, and I literally said, like, please don't ask. Like, uh-huh. I can't, <laughs> I can't really go there right now yeah. and be there for him right now. It like all feeds into that. Like, this isn't a place I'm supposed to have feelings. This isn't a place, like, 
Once I drop him off, then I can go to the car and cry. Then I can call that one person. But like, I'm definitely not going to walk into the coffee shop crying, right? Like I got to get it Mm -hmm. together. And so I think like this all just kind of comes together for a lot of us of we're not supposed to experience dysregulation. And if we do, we're failing. And so if our kids experience dysregulation, we're failing. We're failing. (laughs) Yeah. And then we're turning to these tools to try and make it better. But we already feel like a failure going in. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. So much. But it's like, yeah, reparenting yourself, figuring that stuff out for yourself, having more grace for yourself. Uh, And to come back to that kind of like, binary feeling of conversation like that's so much more complicated right we've been talking for like 30 minutes about all this nuance and that is so much more complicated than being like oh yeah just don't do that like (laughs) yeah exactly screens are bad right Right. screens are bad don't do that right right um but to me there's this feeling of like if we try to make it that simple like, well, probably we're really just kicking the can a bit. Right. And we're kicking it down the road for somebody. And are we kicking it down the road for our future adult self to deal with as a parent? <laughs> yeah. Or am I kicking it down the road for my kid to deal with on their own with no increased set of skills? Right. They'll just be bigger. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) be bigger, (laughs) right? They'll be bigger, but like, will they have more skills? So sometimes families will say, like, like we're going to delay delay screens. I'm not going to tell someone not to do that. Sure, do do if you want to never have a screen, okay. And it is an it is an eventual inevitability. Totally, it's just that's the reality we're in. We really can't, this is not something that we can prevent from ever being part of their lives. Yeah. Uh, And it is absolutely okay if you've decided that it is best for your family to just not have them or have them in a very minimal or control. Okay, fine. I hope it works well for you. Genuinely. Totally. Totally. Uh, Because that's hard. Like, so I genuinely, I hope it is, I hope that that works well and is beneficial for everybody. And we do need to recognize that by delaying we can make it so that our eventual child like when they're grown in whatever stage mm-hmm. they're in is then having to be able to regulate themselves around something that they've never dealt with before yeah without those skills of how to do so or necessarily applied in that way i always think it's interesting that we will say like we'll, we'll, we'll or we'll hear well, you know, screens are different now and they're just so engaging. They're so excited. They're structured in this way. And that is true, but it's used as a way to say, well, we should just delay or we should not have them. I'm like, okay, so then what is your plan to prepare your child to then deal with the, these incredibly exciting screens that you're talking about when they're 16, 17, yeah. 18? Because if their first introduction to having a video game console is moving into a dorm where they now have to be the one who decides when <laughs> they get up, when they go to class, when they eat, what they eat, how much they study, then we've kind of put them in the deep end of this. Right. And we're kind of expecting them to manage this on their own without much of a tool belt. Yeah. And we might 
think, oh, well, we've taught them how to balance school and life and everything else. Right. And you're right. But on the one hand, we're like, oh, yeah, screens, we have to delay them because they're so overwhelming or they're so exciting. They're so dysregulating. It's like, OK, so we're recognizing that they're unique in this way, but we're not recognizing that we have to then maybe prepare kids in a unique way to then deal with them. Right. Right. And when I look at this, I really look at like, what are my, what's my, what are my actual goals? Right. And mm-hmm. I, I think I have two goals just maybe in life. One is how can I show up as the most intentional parent I can be as often as I can do that? Recognizing like it's not going to happen hundred percent of the time. It's not whatever. And for me, there's a difference that between like, I had a hard day and there are one-offs versus like there's a pattern or a cycle. And so when I find myself in like patterns or cycles, we're like, Oh, every time we're trying to get out the door in the morning, I end up snapping like, cool. I got to take a look at this or whatever, you know? So like, how can I, so that's like goal number one, what's like mine to carry. And then goal number two for me is how do I equip my kids with tools to navigate whatever's going to come up in life that I don't think that they're going to avoid hard things. I don't even think they'll avoid trauma. I want them to know that whatever comes up, they've got a toolbox to call on. And those are my two real main goals in life. And when I look at screens in that way and I can say, how is this supporting one of those goals? It actually supports both of them when I use it with intention and I think it can take the like binary bad or good out of it for me of just like, am I using this in a way that's productive Mm -hmm. either for them building a toolbox or for me being more regulated? Absolutely. Something I do a lot of that I don't actually know if it's that like unusual, but I, say it a lot and people always seem kind of surprised by it. It's like, you know, we do, we do so much scripting when, when kids are babies and then we kind of stop Mm -hmm. and we kind of think like, oh yeah, we do that for language and then they can talk. So we stop. Yeah. And I'm like, no, there's so many things that we do that we have reasons for that are, you know, are, are sound or they're ours and they're justified in whatever way. And we don't, name those things Mm -hmm. and then I think we somehow assume that it will be something that they're just absorbing and so much of decisions around regulatory things and recognizing dysregulation and choosing how to try to regulate and figuring out if it works or not so much of that is just happening in our heads Mm -hmm. and without the active modeling of that or sometimes the scripting of it it's that that the skill is not necessarily going to be imparted in the same way you know can you give a script example sure so I think that modeling with our own right like behavior is extremely powerful I mean we know this because it's like our kids walk like us they talk like us they do things Mm -hmm. like us um so like there was a day where I was I think I was sad I think Mm -hmm. and I like literally said like, I'm feeling sad. I'm, I maybe said why. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to play some Zelda now because I think it might feel good to distract myself. And I did that for a bit. 
And I did that for like, I don't know, probably half an hour, like an amount of time that felt kind of appropriate in front of my kid. And then said, you know, that did help. It distracted me a bit. I still think I feel a little sad, but I also feel just really tight in my body. So this helped a little bit, but I think I need to try something else. I'm going to stop. And I think I'm going to go get the mail. Like, do you want to come with me? I'm going to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just naming like why I did it, if it helped or not, how how I recognize that maybe it might be time to do something else. I do the same thing with, because this comes up a lot with how difficult it can be to stop screens. So I do the same thing with modeling how I'm going to stop. And I love that. I'm sure from the outside view, I sound um, like I've planned it, but most of the time it's like genuine. (laughs) Yeah. And I am like genuinely in the moment, like, wow, I, I just realized we have like three minutes left and I am really trying to beat this boss and it is not going to happen. Like I, I, there's no way I can do that with three minutes left. So there I'm modeling, you know, some like executive functioning, some time management, like, Oh, we have three minutes. I don't have enough time for what I want to do. So I think I'm going to go to this playing a lot of Zelda. I think I'm going to go to this stable so that when I start tomorrow, I can buy some more arrows so I can go try this again. So I've like made myself a plan. I'm modeling yeah. how I know what the plan is. I'm like, okay, I think that's the last thing I'm going to do. It's really annoying because I really think I could have done it if I just had like five more minutes. But first thing tomorrow, I can try this again. I and love then that. I and it's just, I'm naming like, yeah, I don't like this either. Right. But if all my kids saw was, oh, my parent pressed a button, stopped the, stopped the game, put it away. They're fine. Yeah. And they're not actually seeing the skill that I am working on and just naming it can, I think do a lot because then I can, if my kid is struggling with the same thing, then they have a model and I then have a model. But if I, if my kid is not able to do that regulation on their own, then I also have a model for me. I have a script all of a sudden. Now I can say, Oh, so that's what I'm going to do when I come back tomorrow what are you going to do when you come back tomorrow? Like, what is it you're wrapping up right now? Oh, okay. Well, we're going to pause here for now. And then tomorrow, the first thing you're going to do is whatever they're working on. Yeah. And then actively modeling and practicing that skill, I think is huge because so much of it is, is invisible to them. Otherwise. Yes. I love this so much because I think you hit the nail on the head that we do it when kids are really young to teach them how to talk to whatever. And then we're like, and check. I think in toddlerhood, even just like modeling frustration tolerance, or as you were naming here, like cognitive flexibility of here was my plan A. I'm now making a, a plan A was like, I I don't know anything about Zelda, but like oh, I do whatever you were trying to do. <laughs> and then plan B is like, no, I'm going to this stable and I'm going to start again tomorrow. Right. But like yep. being able to name that, Really, you're providing this cognitive flexibility for them uh, as a model. Along with the emotion part, too. Like there's whether whether it's, you know, like sometimes we're driving and I'm in traffic and I am like, like, (laughs) I'm just so annoyed. Like we're late. There's not traffic here. Usually it's just so frustrating. And I'm going to like I think I'm just going to like grip my steering wheel a couple of times, take some breaths, just remind myself like. We're going to get there when we get there. We're here and we're safe, you know, and just modeling that and naming that. And 
I think people will be shocked at how quickly kids pick up on that and then start doing that. Because my, if, sometimes if I like kind of go, Ugh, you know, <laughs> my yep. kiddo will be like, are you frustrated? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, the only way they know that is because I bothered to name that that's the sound I make when I'm frustrated. And right. they're, now they're making those connections. Or, you know, one day we were walking into the street. I think it's when we were on vacation, actually. And I looked down and we're like walking. I think I'm like, you know, carting my child through like a Tokyo train station. There's like <laughs> tens of thousands of people. And I look down and I'm like, they're like doing this with their finger. They're like counting with their fingers. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> And they're like, oh, you know, I was just feeling a little upset. So I'm doing some box breathing. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> this is a parent jackpot moment. Yes. Outside, I'm like, don't show it on your face. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. Wow, don't, great. Don't let them know. I'm like, oh, the elation man, that I'm feeling so inside. <laughs> yeah. Let me know if you need anything else. Like, yeah. And you're like, hey, did that help? Did that work? Oh, wow. Okay. I'm so glad. Now you know that that really helps you. But that just the active modeling of that and whatever activity we feel like they're missing it in, right? Sometimes it's really helpful to do it if we're like, well, they never do it when they're watching shows or whatever, then we can do it. You know, yeah. we, can, we can model it when we're watching something or we're on our phone or whatever to help yeah. give them that idea of, of what they can do too. I love this. Ash, I feel like I could chat with you for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> this is very easy to do. <laughs> I, but I, I love that so much. And I think it's a, a great way to wrap up. Can you share with folks where they can continue to learn from you, connect with you, all that jazz? Yeah. So mostly I live on the internet at The Gamer Educator on Instagram. I do have a website, thegamereducator.com. I don't do a ton with it, but mo- most of my stuff's all on Instagram, talking all these things, screens, tech, management, feelings, behavior, all of that. So um, yeah, come check me out over there. It's a lovely yeah. corner of the internet. It's a lovely <laughs> corner of the internet, a fantastic follow. And if you're tuning in right now, take a screenshot and come and over tag the gamer educator and seed and so and let us know what follow up questions you have and what your thoughts are like what challenges come up for you. I love continuing these conversations and DMs and getting to dive deeper. So let us know. Thank you for hanging out with me, Ash. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? 
That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking